Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Before we get to today's show, let's start with a quick word from our sponsor, betonline.ag. If you're into sports betting, BetOnline is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. So visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And now let's get to today's show. Okay, welcome into this week's Believe in Wizards. Today I'm joined by my co-host Larry Hughes. Larry's back from a basketball sabbatical. He's uh, been studying the game, getting uh, up to speed on the next generation of, of youngsters. Larry, how was the uh, the basketball pilgrimage there? Man, that's that's how I have to look at it. Is just getting you know a chance to put my eyeballs on on the next generation of of young stars uh, coming up, chasing their dreams. But yeah, man, I spent a lot of time on bleachers uh, over this last uh, thirty days, watching my son compete. You know, and just really, just really seeing the light on these these guys' faces, these kids' faces that are chasing this dream, man. So yeah, it was a little bit of work. Yes, it was a little bit of parenting, uh, but the basketball experience is, is unmatched. How's the uh, back holding up? That time, the amount of time on a bleacher can be a little rough on you after a couple of weeks. Well, the first few days I was in the middle of the bleachers, and by the end of the two weeks, I was on the top row uh, with my back against the wall. And you know, all the parents would come in and they would know exactly where to find me. You know, up top, even if there were seats down low. That's a veteran move. Very good call. Uh, in the couple of weeks since we've we've gotten together to do this, there's been a, a reasonable amount of Wizards move, especially in the last week or so here. Let's just start with the big bombshell here. The one I, to be honest with you, I did not expect. The Washington Wizards traded Russell Westbrook, uh, 2024 second round pick, 2028 second round pick to the Los Angeles Lakers for Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Montrez Harrell, and the number 22 pick in this year's draft, which they then also traded. What was your initial reaction to that in the moment, Larry? Like, did, did you see that one coming? Did it surprise you, the actual deal? How, how did you feel about it? Well, I had expectations that there would be some really good moves on, on draft night mm-hmm. uh, just because of how the season went, just because of, you know, how close it was to, to the previous season. Sure. I think that, you know, I was expecting some, some moves to happen. Uh, not necessarily the, the Westbrook deal, but we all knew that we needed some some – some more juice to, to that team in order to, to take it uh, to the next level. And when you, when you have a team, you know, like you had in the wizards, I mean, there were really only two valuable guys that you can start to do anything with, 
you know, one was Brad and the other was Westbrook. And, you know, I mean, if we had to pick between the two, I mean, you, you know uh, what's going to make the most sense. Um, and so I wasn't completely surprised by it because I figured that there would be some moves that were, you know, that would be made. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Now you got one person going out, one player going out, and then you bring in, you know, four guys that you need to integrate into your system or if that's the case. So challenges are always there, but when you can create some energy with trades and, you know, have everybody buy in, I think that that's a, a positive thing. Obviously folks are focused on the last half of the year when Westbrook looked like a, the typical Westbrook to, you know, at least some extent, and they made that run. And uh, you hear a lot of folks that have criticized the deal saying that that's going to set them back by losing that player. But I would point to the beginning of the season where he wasn't healthy and how much of a, you know, a negative impact that had on the team. Not that it was all his fault, but it definitely contributed to things. And just if COVID's going to be a concern this upcoming year as well, which with all the variant stuff, it looks like it might be, you can't afford to have like all of your eggs in one or two baskets. And I think getting like real solid contributors and depth is actually like a smart, shrewd move. I don't know how you feel about like maybe the overall global circumstances playing into a move like that. No, I think until you really have your, you know, your, your core group of guys to when you really understand that, I think that there's going to be strength in numbers mm-hmm. and, you know, guys that are going to bring different things to the table, guys that have proven uh, something in this league. Um, I think it's a, it's a win for the Wizards. I don't look at it as a negative. I think you have to understand that guys and players are going to move. And as a fan base, you want to obviously take in the shock of that initial trade, but understand, you know, the overall value for, you know, bringing in fresh bodies and also bringing in bodies that can actually play. We've talked a good amount on this show about why the Wizards haven't been a bigger free agent destination. And a lot of that over the last decade has just been, they haven't had the cap space to do it or get anybody big. But Ted Leonsis came out after the Westbrook trade. Mind you, Leonsis is the same guy who gave Westbrook like a gold-plated framed jersey that said Mr. Triple-Double when he broke the triple-double record. <laughs> same guy. And now a month or two later, we have Leonsis says, we had a superstar player at the Wizards. He had an opportunity and he wanted to be traded to the Lakers. And I was dealing with that as we were announcing Alex being Alex Ovechkin. I couldn't help but self-reflect on what a difference it is. Here's a great player in Russell Westbrook, played in OKC, wanted traded. Went to Houston, wanted to be traded. Came to D.C., wanted to be traded. And is in L.A. now. He's an unbelievably great person, an unbelievably great player. But that's the difference between the NBA and the NHL, I suppose. That seems like an unnecessary shot at Westbrook to me about, you know, him just kind of bailing on situations. And this is the same owner that took an unnecessary shot at John Wall on you know his way out the door. Larry, somebody who's been through this, if you haven't, like, if you're considering a team and you have an owner, like, shit-talking players on the way out, does that, you know, sway you away from going to a team like that in the first place? One thousand percent. One thousand percent. To take away a guy's opportunity to, one, play in this league and to have all the things that go around with, with owners and coaches with the opportunities to you know, to, to move to different situations with, as coaches and for owners to have the ability to move players uh, that makes the most sense for them. It's just mind-boggling to me how these guys continue to, you know, shoot themselves in the foot and put their foot in their mouth. You know, whatever, you know, however you want to put it, 
Like we see these things, we understand what these things mean. And in the climate that we're in now, uh, about diversity, inclusion, uh, all of these things that are going on, that statement is only going to be taken one way. And it's not to shine any light on how great the NHL is or how -hmm. great their players are. It's what these guys think of the players that essentially work for them. It's not his property. It's not Houston's property. It's not OKC's property. He plays for that organization. He's not from Houston. He's not from Washington, D.C. He's from California. And his allegiance to anything worldly is to where he's from. So I think that that it's a lack of respect and these things have to change. I mean, we respect owners as players to sign those checks and make those deals, but we also demand that respect to go into, you know, that, that boardroom and have a conversation about what's going to happen with my future and how do I want things to play out with my future? And I think that those things have to be respected. And when statements like that come out, uh, there's a lack of respect. You know, if Westbrook had said like, hey, I'm I'm holding out, like I'm not going to play here. You need to trade me. I could see as an owner, like being sort of bothered by that. I think fans would be bothered yeah. than that. Still has the right to do it. But Westbrook didn't say anything publicly. He went behind closed doors and said, if there was an opportunity, to get me to LA, I would like to play, you know, with these people where I'm from. I mean, like, I don't, I don't really have any problem with the way he went about it. Even just like from a, like a basketball teammate standpoint, like doesn't seem like any of his teammates had any issue with him. Like if he'd been a pain in the ass all year and was like, F it, I want out, blow it up. You know, maybe as an owner, it would be slightly more justifiable to make a comment of some sort about it. but the look of comparing a white hockey player to a black basketball player and saying one is doing it the right way. And one isn't, is just a bad look in the first place. And two, just, there's no good from that. Like you're just being petty and maybe it makes you feel better, but it also just points to like one poor business sense. And two, maybe you don't care about the wizards all that much. If you're willing to say shit that could very clearly like negatively impact them. I'm kind of a petty person myself. If I were a free agent right now, I'm like, well, F that guy. Like, I don't want to play for him. Like if I leave or it doesn't work out, I'm suddenly going to be the scapegoat. And that's, I don't know, especially when you kept a bad general manager for a decade and a half and an average at best coach for six, seven years. Like, I don't know that, that, that one really rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. you. That's one guy. You can't blame that guy right. because when fans and, and just the outside world looks at his effort on the court and the amount of energy and the amount of give back he gave to you guys while on the court, like that just doesn't fly on the flip side of that. You got a guy like Blake Griffin in Detroit yep. and he goes to Brooklyn and he's a totally different player as an owner. I may have a few comments about was this guy really giving his all, sure. but on the flip side of that with West Westbrook, man, I think that, you have to bite that. You have to, you have to think, and you have to believe that Westbrook brought you more than he left you with. Yeah. And when I say that, I mean the fans that got a chance to watch him play in the Washington uniform. Yes, they may be a fan of, of Westbrook, but he may have brought you more eyeballs. He may have brought you more attention to what you're doing. 
And those are things that you could capitalize on, especially when talking money. Yeah, I mean, especially a fresh start in a weird year where people might not have watched your mediocre team anyway. And then that's not even considering like the off the court stuff. Like Westbrook didn't owe shit to the DC community and immediately came in and did food drives and coat drives and all that kind of stuff. It, it just, I don't know. I, I, I said on the show a bunch of times, I, he wasn't my favorite guy to watch play from an aesthetic standpoint. But, you know, like you said, you can't question the effort and, you know, that he did more good than bad. So, but just focusing on the people that they actually brought in. So Catavius Caldwell Pope, this past season, you know, he was okay. Uh, he was a little bit down in the playoffs this year, especially, but you know, the, the playoff run in the bubble, I mean, 11 points a game on almost 40% shooting with solid defense. Like that's a pretty good impactful player at a position. The wizards clearly need Kyle Kuzma, 13 points, six rebounds, 36 from three got better defensively. I wouldn't call him like a lockdown guy, but he's competent. And then Montrez Harrell, another effort guy, almost 14 points, about six rebounds you know, a little undersized, not great defensively, but it just, he's going to bring it every night. And I think he instantly makes your team better at the very least during the regular season, because, you know, you've got a guy that'll play hard in the middle of December or January or whatever, when everyone else wants. So what do you think of that haul overall as sort of their return for the Westbrook trade? Any of those guys that stand out to you most? I think on paper, it's decent to, to get those bodies for uh, Westbrook, who, you know, we were all saying in the beginning of the season, is this, is this the Westbrook that, that we all wanted? Mm -hmm. And obviously he got healthy and he was able to do some great things and pull the team with him. But on paper, I mean, when you see Harold, you see Kuzma, you see KCP, I think those guys are tested. Those guys have some fight to them. They have, um, they've, they've seen what winning looks like. So for them to go back to a losing situation or, or being in an environment that's, that's built around losing, I don't think that that's going to happen. So I think that that's a group that can help you not only on the court, but also off the court and in the locker room of speaking to those challenges of what they've seen uh, playing with LeBron. I think that they have, they will have a bunch of information to download to their other teammates. So, you know, without bringing uh, LeBron there, you get some of his mind share. And I think that th those things help and can't be discounted because uh, players listen to players and players want to be around players that have won. Uh, and have those winning attitudes. And, you know, those guys are, are champions. At the end of the day, those guys are coming with the pedigree, with the championship, uh, with the know-how, with an understanding. Uh, so that's there's value there. And, again, this is a crazy NBA. We don't know, you know, how those things play out of if those guys will actually suit up. But on paper, I think that that's a, a decent move. And you have a new coach who may have a different philosophy, different mindset, different style. Um, and these three guys that you're bringing in, I think that they will be ready to, to show, you know, that they are, are ready to win. To your point, there's already been some rumor that a couple of these guys could be on the move and, and sort of redirected elsewhere. I can't see them getting rid of KCP just from uh, there are no other three and D wings on the roster. So that would be a tough one to move. I think, um, you know, Kyle Kuzma, there's probably some, positional redundancy with Rui Hachimura and, and Davis Bertans, both kind of all kind of that three, four more perimeter oriented type guys at this point. Well, I don't know if you call Rui perimeter oriented, but like similar space. Uh, I don't see them moving Daniel Gafford. So I would imagine between Montrez Harrell and Thomas Bryant, one of the two of them 
may get moved. Uh, but if I'm the Wizards, you have Thomas Bryant's out probably through December. I wouldn't be in any hurry to get rid of Harrell, especially I think he can help you really early in the season. You could always flip him at the deadline if you wanted to do that. Plus, his value is probably low right now, just considering he didn't have a good playoffs or he didn't really get an opportunity in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, Larry, did I mean, would you like to see them ideally hold on to these guys or would you prefer they try to, you know, make them a piece in one of these moves? No, I, I would prefer that they hold on to him. I think Harold is a guy that's an interesting guy because of his move to the Lakers and then not working out how he thought it would. I think he's ready to rock and roll. Yeah. I, I think he's ready to rumble. So I, I wouldn't give that guy to anyone else. I would, I would use what he's ready to give um, because I think he has it bottled up. Mm-hmm. And with Kuzma and obviously the guys that are on the team, um, you have to take a look. I mean, you have to you have to take a look at what. Hachi's going to bring to the table. I think he's going to continue to develop. Uh, and you can't have enough bodies, man. You, you can't have enough bodies, uh, guys that are willing to make plays, guys that are active. Uh, we have to figure out with Bertans, we've got to get a couple dribbles, you know, you know, be able to put the ball on the floor a couple times. I mean, I think that that'll open up his game and it'll obviously help his teammates uh, as well. So you want to take a look at that. And having options is what you want to have, especially bringing in a new coach and also having a season that's so um, that's coming so fast, you know, the last season just ended. You had 60 days, you know, yeah. less than 90 days to get back to the saddle and get going again. So I think that having, you know, viable bodies is going to be very important uh, for next season. Yeah. I mean, I think Kuzma's got more than he's shown. I mean, I don't necessarily think uh Kuzma's maybe as good as the Kuzma fan base is sort of a weird group seems to think he might be that LeBron uh, was totally holding him back. But, you know, you give a guy like that who's young more opportunities. I got to imagine he'll look better. So the, the hot rumors that the Wizards are going to try to go out and get Spencer Dinwiddie from the Brooklyn Nets in a sign and trade. Kuzma and Harrell have been two of the names circulated as a part of that. Uh Larry, initially, the notion of giving Spencer Dinwiddie three years, $60 million after an ACL tear, you know, made me a little nervous. But just seeing what the rest of the point guards on this market have gone for, I kind of come to terms with that. But I think you also have to consider it's not just paying him that money for multiple years and giving up that financial flexibility you just got back, but you would have to probably trade those pieces. So uh, is Dinwiddie at that amount of money plus losing Kuzma, Harrell, whoever really that much better than the next guy down, you know, down the pecking order in terms of free agency? Uh, what have you seen from Spencer Dinwiddie and, and do you like his potential fit with Beal and the rest of this roster? Uh, well, I, I, I like his game. I like where he was going. I like he was progressing the way he was progressing. I would want to see him just go out and play basketball a little bit more than talking about it, but that's, you know, that's the old school in me, yeah, I'm with you. but coming off of a, a you know, a, that partial ACL tear, I think that he you know had the right procedure done. I think he's going through the right processes and right recovery, um, you know, tactics to make sure that he's ready to, to roll when, it, when the time is right. Uh, we've dealt with a, a partially, you know, torn ACL and, you know, it's definitely not the 12-month process. It's not even the six-month process. It's just a matter of how your body responds to, you know, the, the, the surgery and then, you know, that recovery process. So I think he'll be ready to play. 
I will be a little bit concerned with, and it's, I guess it may be tough with trading those guys into the Eastern Conference. I don't know if it, there's another team that's involved with that or not, but to put those guys on Brooklyn, uh, that's not a good idea. I mean, yeah, I, I don't agreed. think that that would be a good idea for, for the Eastern Conference. Um, but yeah, those moves, you know, can, um, you know, those moves can be made, but you have to be careful of where you send in, you know, where you send these guys to, because you, you end up with one guy and you send, you know, multiple guys to a team that's competing for a championship that's in your conference. It'd be tough to you to, to, you know, to help yourself within that conference. Well, even just like what you said about Harold and the Lakers trading him away, like that's not the kind of guy I would want to give, you know, any kind of extra edge to. And just, you know, that that's sort of how I originally felt about it. Although the list of sort of top remaining point guard free agents are Reggie Jackson, Dennis Schroeder, Lou Williams, who, you know, are any of the three of those guys like really point guards is sort of a question, I guess. Then we get to the Howell Nettos, Alfred Payton's, Dennis Smith Jr. So it is sort of slim pickings. Like you got to get somebody to play that position, I guess. But I don't know. I'm just of the opinion that like you just did all of this work to get off the wall slash Westbrook deal, giving like long-term money to people that were still sort of not like a hundred percent sure on would, would make me a little nervous. So I am anything more than three years. I think I would have had like uh, an immediate um, sort of visceral reaction to. Any of those other names, Jackson, Schroeder, Lou Williams, Neto, that you would prefer uh, over Dinwiddie, considering the cost it'll probably take to get Dinwiddie? Or would you go that route? Uh, I think the only name, yeah, I think the only name for me would be Reggie Jackson, uh, a, a guy that's been around, again, you know, understands, you know, what, what winning culture looks like, has been around to a few different situations and got a chance to experience, you know, L.A. in his last stop. And the way he played in the playoffs, I think he has confidence that he can perform, you know, within the league, you know, for a full year. So he would probably be the the guy that I would would identify other than Dinwoody. I think Dinwoody is a talent. And if you can get him for three years, obviously there's a a, a warm-up process the first year, mm-hmm. so to speak. And then obviously you have those uh, another year or so to see if that's the guy that is going to make more sense for you. But those three-year deals are look like they're they're going to be pretty common. Uh, within the space to figure out, you know, what a guy has and, and if you can build a team that's that's in his likeness. The original rumor was like he wanted a five-year, hundred-plus million-dollar deal, and I was like, please, no, no, no! Like we, I, that that just always makes me um, a little nervous right off the bat. There, uh, we mentioned a couple minutes ago these guys will all be playing for a new coach. We have not talked about Wes Unsell Jr. on the show yet. I, I guess first thing. You know, what do you think about him as a pickup and what do you think about him specifically for the Wizards and how he fits with Brad and sort of this core group? Well, I think you brought the right guy home. Uh, Wes was there when, when I was in D.C. Okay. Um, a good guy, good dude. He's, he's, you know, he's put in his time, you know, being on co- different coaching staffs. I think picking the brains of, you know, multiple different coaches. Uh, being around the players, helping the players with their on-court workouts, you know, really involved with, you know, with that communication of what, what players need. Uh, he comes from a, a great family. I think he's going to put in the time. He has the work ethic. Uh, so I think it was a good hire. And when you think about the D.C. fan base, calling out a name that they can remember, uh, that also has a, a work ethic, uh, that also has, you know, players that he can put together and form a good team. 
I think it's a win-win situation for the Wizards. You heard some people say that this was like an old school Wizards move. It's nepotism. You know, the West, you know, his dad is the reason. I'm like, this guy's resume and just the other coaches he's worked for and worked under. I mean, it's it speaks for itself. And and when you talk about he was sort of the defensive guru for the Nuggets and they were a top 10 defensive team, considering like three of their five starters don't really defend. I think that should speak for itself. But do you have any particular stories or anything about Wes or things you remember about him sort of specifically that might give, uh, you know, fans sort of a warm, fuzzy feeling about him? Now that he's able to communicate and, you know, we were around the, the, the same age, you know, pretty close to it and just his ability to communicate. Like I said, he was one of the guys that would help us get out on the court to, to do our pregame warmups. And when you have a coach that's out there doing pregame warmups, you start to build just um, a, a friendship with them because they're watching you, you know, get ready to perform and they're trying to give you little tips you know, before you go to perform. So if you're able to communicate with the player and the player is able to communicate with the coach, I think that that's a great starting point for those guys that are coaching to be those those on-court warm-up guys to really start to understand what their players are going through and their mindset, you know, and their preparation before that game actually hits. And for him, I think that that was, was, was a skill of his. Is he was always in the mix. He was always willing to help. Uh, so there's not necessarily one story, but... You would always, Wes was always a guy that was, was there. It, you ready to go get shots at, you know, 20 on the clock. You ready to go get shots at 32 on the clock. Like he was always that guy to say, okay, whenever you're ready to go get prepared, you know, he was, he was there to, to, to help you, you know, get that job done. Obviously you didn't get to experience him in a head coaching role. So it's a little different here, but we've talked a lot over the last year plus about having a plan you know, having something to stick to, but then make adjustments to as needed. Uh, and just, you heard some commentary about the the last coaching staff and maybe they're um, not always being the most prepared, let's say. Does Wes strike you as somebody that will be, you know, like ready to go, well-organized, you know, detail-oriented, that kind of thing? I do. I, I do. And I think the, you know, the, the, the staff that he's been on, uh, the coaches that he's he's worked under, I don't think you do it for that long at, at that position right next to the head coach without being prepared, without mm-hmm. that head coach being able to rely on you for, you know, that in-game information or that, you know, that outside of the box thinking. I think that that's a strength with, that Wes has. He's a guy that's not going to blow up the room uh, when he walks in. He's going to, you know, he's going to blend in. His, his, his voice is heard. His voice is strong. Uh, and he knows what he's talking about. I mean, it's like you said, it's a gift and a curse to have that name. But when you have that name and the information that follows, I mean, you got to respect it. Yeah, I mean, obviously not a former NBA player, and we talked about that some, but he clearly knows what it's like to spend a lifetime around the game. And I think that makes him probably gives him more ability to relate with players than than other guys that that also haven't been in in that position. Yeah, the game is a a history game. It's a history game. So when, when you're able to communicate to players, you know, how they stack up against this player, how they met, you know, just the information that you can share year after year of the players that you've been around and, you know, those that are successful and unsuccessful. But I think that he will have the ability to communicate that to his team and players that are on his team uh, to build that connection. He was on Eddie Jordan's staff while you were there. Okay. I, I, I was 
wasn't sure if he was there with the previous group or not. Yeah, maybe we'll see uh, Eddie Jordan show back up in some capacity. I think that'd be a fun throwback for folks. Uh, well, just, he was an advocate. I mean, he was an advocate of Wes. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, uh, Eddie always, always, you know, had Wes's name, you know, coming out of his mouth. So he was definitely an advocate, you know, for Wes. So I, I wouldn't be surprised for that either. Uh, main reason I mentioned that Tommy Shepard threw out a quote during one of his media availabilities over the last month about how, you know, they were in no rush to fill out the coaching staff, but kind of teased like, you know, but we wouldn't be surprised to see a few folks with uh, former NBA head coaching experience, you know, show back up uh, on the staff here. So I think that was the name that kind of immediately came to mind there. All right, Larry, let's talk about two new guys that Wes Unseld will get to coach up uh, with the 15th pick. The Wizards took Gonzaga wing forward, whatever you want to call him, Corey Kispert. He averaged almost 19 a game last year, about five rebounds, 44% from three. And the Wizards, who finished 29th in three-point shooting last year, uh, seem to have made that a priority in the offseason. Tommy Shepard declared him the best shooter in the draft. You know, he shot almost seven threes a game and made about half of them. I'd say that that's probably pretty justifiable. What do you think about Kispert and, and his ability to maybe to even come in and play, you know, meaningful minutes from day one? I mean, I, th- I think he has the, the necessary skill. He has the ultimate skill, and that's shooting the basketball, not only shooting the basketball, but playing off the move. Mm-hmm. And I, I watched him play in college, and I think that that's a skill that will definitely – uh, transfer, you know, to, to, to the NBA's games, being able to to move, uh, set his feet, you know, and get his shots off. And if you got seven threes in, in college, man, you got 14 or 15, right. 16, 17, you know, in this day and age. So being able to shoot the ball is his ultimate skill. Uh, he's built, uh, you know, very well to take contact, um, good low base. I think he's he should be solid, man. We just have to see how he, he, you know, how that transfers, you know, college transfers to the defensive end, his ability to, to stay in front, his ability to fight through switches. Uh, but yeah, from an offensive standpoint, and this is an offensive league, I think that that's a quality pickup. Both Tommy Shepard and Wes Unseld sort of hammered home that he's more than just a shooter. We think this is a guy that can put it on the floor some, you know, he can he can do different things. And that they thought they could at least you know, help him turn into a pretty good defender. From what you saw of him in college, do you think he can at least be an average or better defender? I think so. If, if he's held accountable, um, like we talked about, held accountable for, for being in the right spot. And a lot of times being a good, good defensive player, you have to start in the right spot. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he has the ability. He comes from a good program. I'm sure he wrote, you know, running uh, pro sets, you know, both offensively and defensively. Uh, because that's how they get the top recruits is they have to present some sort of NBA, you know, pathway. So, yeah, I think that that's a quality pickup. He reminds me of, you know, Joe Harris in college. And when I say he reminds me of Joe Harris in the NBA, right? I mean, Joe Harris was was pretty good in college, but he's, you know, stepped up in the NBA. But Kispert reminds me of, of actually Joe Harris in, in the NBA. I think, uh, you know, people maybe question the athleticism a little bit because of that Baylor game in the national championship where he looked a little overwhelmed, maybe. But I try to ignore, you know, one game here or there as the, uh, you know, like I'd I'd let the other 30 games, you know, the whole season before that um, sort of make my mind up uh, based on that. Should we be concerned based on uh, his 
underwhelming performance in the national championship game, I guess. No, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, those guys were out on a mission and I mean, they were, they were, they were going to roll over a tank if it was in front of them. Um, I mean, they, they were, they were locked in and uh, he, he competed. So yeah, it, it wasn't a situation where he went in the corner or he subbed himself out. Like he was out there, you know, battling. He was obviously not as, as, you know, quick twitched as, as some of those guys, but he was out there competing and battling. So there, there's no, there's no problem for me there. I think that matters maybe even less in today's NBA, just how much space there is and you can't touch guys and be physical with them and funnel people into the paint. Like it just seems like um, he's not going to have to have Jared Butler or Davion Mitchell, like trying to steal the ball from him, uh, you know, too frequently. Yeah. And we know the college game is more physical than the NBA's game. So, I mean, there's a little bit of comfort, comfort there because he won't have to, you know, battle through that first and second bump. I mean, that first bump, he's, he's going to the free throw line. Uh, he's also good friends with Rui Hachimura, which I thought was cool. Uh, I said, Rui's my guy. To be able to spend more time with him and play with him professionally is just really, really cool. And that uh, I guess Rui got enough texts over in Japan, you know, front, during the pick that he woke up and sent Kispert a nice message. So uh, I think that's cool too, um, you know, having that kind of easy connection there. For somebody like Rui that, did speak the language originally, you know, Kispert being there to, to help is probably nice. Um, so later on in the draft, the Wizards took the 22nd pick and traded it to the Pacers for Aaron Holiday and Isaiah Todd. A very wise person on this podcast said a couple weeks before the draft that they thought Isaiah Todd could be a steal uh, or maybe even the steal of this draft. Larry, seeing that Todd ended up going 31st, uh, how do you feel about that? You know, even do you feel better about that now, knowing he went that late? Yeah, no, that, that's a quality pickup. And in this draft, in this space of, you know, all, you know, all of these you know young players chasing their dream. I mean, 60 spots is not enough. So when you go in, in half, I mean, almost half of that group, I mean, that's that says that you're a pretty good player. Right. Because there's another 100 guys that didn't get drafted. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think he's a, a young guy, man, that, that took a different route. Uh, went to the, um, the the G League, the Ignite team. Uh, but he's been one of these guys that have been on top of, like, these ranking boards since he was, like, 12 years old. And for him to continue to put in the work, obviously he didn't stay on top of that board. But for him to continue to fight, continue to get better, I think that's a testament of a player that's going to be around for a long time uh, who's seen himself, you know, up here as a top dog and then obviously kind of being in the middle of the pack that helps a guy's mentality as far as to how he's going to work, you know, at the professional level. So I think that was a great catch, a great pickup, uh, and especially, you know, going, you know, 31 uh, in a draft that a lot of guys, you know, didn't get drafted in, in his class. Yeah. A, a lot of really good guys that went undrafted. It's probably the best for undrafted free agent market I can remember in a long time too. So for anyone not familiar with Todd, 6'10", 7'1"-ish or so wingspan, average like 12 and 5 in the G League. Shot like better than 35%, 36, 37%, I think, from three uh, in a weird situation, too. Like, I, I, you know, the G League bubble is probably not easy for guys to get super comfortable. Uh, and, and the shot looks really good, I think. Uh, Larry, the thing I liked most about the Todd pickup is just hearing him talk after the fact. One seems super mature. And, you know, I, the one that always bugs me is when you like somebody asks a prospect, like, who they're going to be. And, you know, we, we've talked about the Drummond quote and things like that. 
they asked uh, Isaiah Todd who he like thought he could be or is you know try to model his game after, and he mentioned Richard Lewis, which I thought was like a a really interesting kind of insightful thing. At the very least, Todd is a long, tall guy with shooting range. I think any team in the NBA would happily take a Richard Lewis right now with the way the, the league is played. That's a guy, you know, in your era that you played a, a good amount against. Uh, do you like that comparison from Todd? I do. I do. I, I love it uh, for the fact that Rashad was one of those guys that was, was projected to potentially be a lottery pick. And he was the last guy in the green room yeah. and he was in my, he was in my draft. So to have that knowledge of, you know, like we just said, of a guy that was on the top of the draft board, yeah. you know, the top of the rankings and, you know, and then to go 31, I think that that's a very, very good comparison and a self-evaluation of, of who he is because Rashad is, he turned out to be one of the, the best to do it. And for a guy that knows that you can start in a place, if he knows Rashad, he knows his story. So mm-hmm. you can start in a place and end up somewhere else. I think that that speaks to his maturity uh, and, and good self-reflection. And, you know, he also mentioned he watches film of other guys and the KDs and things like that. But that's fine to say you're trying to incorporate things from their game and all that kind of stuff. But uh, he said multiple times in the two interviews I've, I've now seen with him that he's a, just a, like a film junkie. And apparently that's something that Brian Shaw has sort of said uh, when asked about all the G League guys. He said Isaiah was the one that spent the most time sort of doing his homework and things like that. So love to hear that. And then just. He likes to write and journal and, you know, be introspective. And, uh, you know, I, I think this guy is, is going to be a guy that that ticks all the like, you know, high character boxes that Tommy Shepard's always talking about, too. So um, I, I actually really love love that pickup. And uh, it doesn't hate, hurt to be 6'10 with a 7'1 seven, seven wingspan either. That That helps. There's never been anything that's less relatable to me. Uh, of all time uh, is to be 6'10 with a seven foot wing, uh, seven foot one wingspan. But I got to imagine that that's pretty helpful on a basketball court. Uh, the other piece of that trade, Aaron Holiday, obviously the youngest of the Holiday brothers, Drew and Justin, both good NBA players too. Uh, Aaron probably less, you know, visibility uh, in, in Indy because he was the third string point guard there uh, behind Malcolm Brogdon and TJ McConnell, but shot, you know, scored about seven a game last year, one rebound, two assists, almost 40% from three. I think he was like 37, 38, something like that. And just all like the defensive metrics for Holiday are really good. Like his defensive rating is is super high and compares pretty favorably analytically to like what, how old Neto was coming in last year. So what have you seen from Holiday and, and do you like that addition? I do. I like that as a, you know, you, you had Ish um, and you had Neto. And I think he's a a younger version of, of Ish, so to speak. I mean, obviously, he, he has, you know, probably a little, little bit more to his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a young guy that I think fits that bill of what the Wizards were doing last year, uh, you know, had on their team last year. I think he can change the pace, and he plays hard, and he plays this style of, of, of basketball. He plays this era of black basketball. Guy with quick twitch, you can't really touch him. And what I like to see is his ability to get others involved. Um, you know, draw defenders and move that basketball. I mean, I think that that's a, a progression of his game. Uh, a lot of these guys come in with the ability to to score the ball. They want to score the ball. But at his size, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to draw defenders in and, and, and move that basketball, change the pace. So 
I, I like his I like his game, and we'll see if those guys get a chance to use him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think especially if you have Dinwiddie, good uh, Holiday is is sort of just like a a different guy, and and can kind of give you a different look. So so that's good. And honestly, he might even be able to like play some starters minutes in a pinch and things like that. It's not like he, you know, can't contribute at a higher level than he's shown so far. Uh, Larry, just sticking with sort of free agency in general here for a minute. We talked a little bit about the point guards on the market, uh, the shooting guard, sort of top available guys, Danny Green, Josh Hart, Victor Oladipo, Avery Bradley, JJ Redick, uh, Wes Matthews. This again, this could be slightly outdated by the time people listen to this, but Garrison Matthews from the Wizards, also a restricted free agent. Then you have people like Kelly Oubre, James Innes, Justin Winslow, or yeah, uh, Justice Winslow, um, Paul Millsap, Laurie Markinen, Mike Scott, guys like that. And then the centers, you have Anise Cantor, Demarcus Cousins, Frank Kaminsky, Bismack Biombo, Willie Hernan Gomez. Like it, it starts to get a little lighter the bigger you get in the positions, but. Anywhere you would focus if you were them, either a particular person or a particular guy. And I'll, since I ambushed you with that one, I, I will answer that one first. I would love like a prove it deal for somebody like Victor Oladipo. Hey, you're from the area. You know, you got roots here. We know you weren't healthy last year. Your mark is not where it should be. Here's a one-year deal. Like show people you still got it. Because I think that's a guy that if healthy could really kind of outperform that contract. Yeah, I, I like I like him. Um, just will he be healthy to to give you that look and see, yeah. right? I mean, he went out you know during last season. Is I'm not sure what that injury looks like for him starting training camp and then being ready for that quick October start. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from a namesake, I mean, from what he's done in the league, I mean that's and you know him being from that area, I think that that's a very a, a attractive name. Uh, but but Josh Hart is another name for yeah. me. A uh, guy that's going to play hard, play defense. Uh, it's going to do everything that the team asks him to do. I think that that's, uh, you know, a, a piece that, you know, that stands out to me as well. I think that's a really good call. I really like Josh Hart, also local, and just kind of fits that where the NBA is going, you know, a wing that can do a little bit of everything, shoot, defend. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think KCP can be your only uh, three and D small forward type guy going into the year. So I think that'd be really good. Larry, just last question, sort of unrelated to the wizards. Have you watched any of team USA's, uh, men's basketball team? Do you think we'll pull out a gold here? Well, I have faith, uh, that those guys will, will get it together and pull out the gold. I think it's, uh, again, when you're putting those guys together, uh, even, you know, the short condensed training camp and it's tough. And like I said, everybody's talking about the world is, is is catching up. I mean, those are teams that are, you know, normally together and probably on group chats and everything, you know, throughout the year. Sure. Uh, and these are guys that are doing their own thing with their own teams throughout the years. And then, you know, put together a relationship to go and, and actually go and play against these guys. But I think that they'll I think that they'll pull it out. I have faith in those guys, have faith in, in KD, Jay Tatum. Uh, and those guys, if it's going to be an offensive game, I think that those guys are the, you know, can, can get them over the top. The defense looked better against Spain. Obviously, they couldn't stop Ricky Rubio, which I don't know if anyone can stop Olympic Ricky, Ricky Rubio at this point. But 
Uh, yeah, just overall, I thought they were were better from that perspective. And like you said, the the offenses look better. They're making shots. So uh, to me, I have a bet with a friend. He took the field. I took Team USA. So I'm feeling a lot better about my my side of the bet than I was, you know, two weeks ago. I mean, the the talent is there. I mean, the the, the talent is there. Uh, the games are obviously you know played at a at a different pace and played even a little bit harder from what those guys were were normally experiencing, but. I think that their talent will step up at the end, especially if they make it to the championship game. I totally agree. Uh, all right, partner, that was all I had for you this week. Anything uh, you want to leave folks with or, or close us out with? Uh, no, it's just good to be back, you know, and have conversations about the Wizards and, you know, with all these moving parts and just being a player, uh, being a former player. I mean, these were, were times that, you know, were fun times, but they were also a little bit of um, – you know, have your stomach turning a little bit. Sure. So, so being on this side and just watching, you know, different players land where they land and, you know, all the things that go into, you know, forming teams and the buyouts and the trades and the draft, this is a great time of the year. And then with summer league coming up, you know, basketball is all year round now. So it's a, a pleasure to be a part of, you know, the, the basketball space, man, because you're going to get everything that you need. So yeah, just keep, just keep checking us out. And I'm, I'm like I said, I'm happy to be back. Happy to have you back. We'll get some uh, guests in here in the next couple of weeks, different players, maybe guys you're less familiar with, with some uh, now ties to the Wizards. So that, that'll be your tease to, to check us out. We'll have some folks for you next week. Uh, as always, rate, review, subscribe, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.